So, yes, even famous people, people we know, people we respect, people that we look up to and model our lives after, experienced failures. And if we're honest, everybody in this room has experienced a failure, right? Multiple, multiple times. Uh, If you don't know what goes on behind the scenes in church world, but to get ready for a worship service, a lot of things have to go into play. And sometimes they don't play out the way you experience them to be. But guess what? We grow, we change, we learn from that. The Spirit will move through whatever situation we find ourselves in, even if we experience and believe it to be a failure. It may not be a failure in God's eyes. You know, James, this book here, is accredited to the brother of Jesus, okay, the one closest to him in age. And so James would have experienced growing up with Jesus, you know, and that's a pretty tall order, you know, to be the brother of Jesus, right? You know, if something bad happens and there's something that goes on, who are they going to blame, Jesus or James, right? So James had to grow up with Jesus and watch Jesus. And even when you read in some of the Gospels, when Jesus was doing his ministry and preaching and teaching in his hometowns, even his siblings at first didn't believe him. Even his own family at first didn't believe him. It wasn't until after the resurrection that James probably got it all and it all clicked. And now he even has a book in the Bible that we read as often as a wisdom book of the New Testament from James. And so James, if you have never read it, read it. It's an easy read. It's a great Bible study because it speaks to us today. You can gain a lot from James. And it comes at you right in your face. And so here James, in these verses that we read, he says, look, my brothers and sisters, he's writing to Christians. He's writing to fellow believers. He says, Whenever you face various trials, consider it a joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. You know, when you decide to uh, get in shape, you know, you're like, oh, I'm not healthy. I don't like the way I look. The doctor says I need to lose 10 pounds. I want to, I got to get some muscle strength back. The age is just really taking a toll. I want to live a long, healthy, happy life. Well, what do you do? You start an exercise routine, right? An exercise routine. And exercise routines, when you're getting it going, a lot of times people do it and they're just, they're struggling, right? To start in that rhythm of adding more activity to your body than it's used to. You begin pushing it, challenging it, right? You start, I'm going to walk for 30 minutes because I don't walk straight for 30 minutes. I'm going to do that. Well, you're going to get tired when you get towards the end of that 30 minutes. Your lungs are going to be breathing. Your body's going to be sore. If you say, oh, I need to do some strength training to get some muscle strength back, well, you got to start lifting some weights, and your muscles are then sore for two days later. If you ever do work out and you do leg workouts for the first time, you can't walk for a week straight. I've been there, done that, okay? But what happens to your body is that with your lungs, if you're walking, with your muscles, if you're doing strength, you're tearing it, and you're pushing it to the limits, and you're stretching it. You're putting stress on the system. But what happens is when you do that, you begin to build endurance and strength. As your body goes through those tears and the pushes and the stressors, it actually gets stronger when you do that. You begin to have the ability to walk further and not get winded or sore and lift more weights as your muscle builds back. It's through those challenges and stresses you put on your body, it begins to not break down. 
but ultimately rebuild and become stronger. And just as those individuals I talked about, the famous people that we never would have thought would have been failures before, but yet learned from their failures and became very, very successful. Another one that I like is Albert Einstein. When he was four years old, he only could say ten words, and his parents were told that he needed to be institutionalized and there was no hope and success for him. But guess what? He grew up and became one of the world's brightest scientists, and his contributions still live on today in this world. But through these challenges and struggles, he became somebody very successful. And so James, he's got something here. He says, you know what? You're going to face trials, Christian friends. It's going to be tough. When we look back at the disciples, the original 12, we know the outcomes of what happened to some of them. And other outcomes of their lives are church tradition or stories that we, we think are true, but we just don't know quite or 100%, but we think they are. 11 out of the 12 are presumed to have died a horrible death. Only one was able to live to old age and die an old man, and that was John. But a lot of the others, we believe, met a horrible death because of their faith. Even Judas, who betrayed Jesus, took his own life. So, as a follower, we're going to face challenges just as the Christians that James was writing to and telling. That you're going to face various trials. But guess what? Consider that a joy. Just recently, um, my wife and I, we primarily go to a Sunday school class called Seekers, but I've, I hop around a lot and teach other ones when as need be. But um, the Seekers class usually does some gatherings throughout the year, Christmas parties and whatnot. So they decided to do a Friendsgiving and gather together and do a little Thanksgiving meal as a Sunday school class. And so it was a great experience. You know, we all got there, and the host home in the backyard. They have a light pole, which I got a neat story on that, in the backyard, and they put some corn out there, and deer come and eat. And so all the guys were on the back porch, and we were sort of like, oh, look at all those bucks out there. Look at all those does. And everybody's on the back porch just looking at the deer. The deer didn't care we were there. We were being loud. And it was kind of fun to watch. But then it was time to come together and, and eat a meal. So we all pile back inside and gather around the food. And when you're the preacher and you're in a group of people, people are going to just naturally look at you and be like, you get to start us off. You get to pray. You get to make the speech or whatever it is, you know. And so, of course, they all look at me, and they're like, hey, since this is a Friendsgiving, let's all say something we're thankful for, okay? So, of course, I just give the church the answer. Like, I'm thankful for Jesus, okay? Pass it on, all right? But everybody would go around the group, and you hear a lot of things like, I'm thankful for my family, thankful for my wife or my kids. I'm thankful for my church and my church family. I'm thankful that I have a job and a job that I actually enjoy, you know. I'm thankful for, well, I guess Ole Miss football before yesterday, but, you know, everybody would say I'm thankful for whatever, okay. But nobody said, and I bet if you're ever in a group at Thanksgiving, and if that's a tradition of your family where y'all go around the table and say what you're thankful for, I bet nobody says, you know what, I'm thankful that I'm going through this struggle right now. I'm thankful that God has put me in a trial. I'm thankful for whatever difficult situation I'm in. I bet you don't hear that. And if someone did say that, even though you may be around other believers who know the Bible, they might look at you funny and be like, do what? 
you're thankful for this mess that you're in right now? Why don't you say something like your family and your church and your whatever else? Why don't you say you're thankful for this trial? But James tells us, though, whatever trial that you're in, and you're going to face various trials. Now, I just asked all of y'all if y'all have experienced a failure before, and everybody said, mm-hmm. Consider it a joy. Consider it a joy. But, but why? Why is that a, a joyful thing to go through a trial? Well, think back, like I said, when you're working out and starting an exercise routine, you're pushing your body to the limits, and it's not fun, and you're sore, and you're tired. But what happens over time is that your body gets stronger. You get healthier. You get better news from the doctor. You like the way you feel. You like the way you look. It just works out that way. But you got to put your body through that trial to get stronger. And so James says this. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. It produces endurance. You know, we have all had faith crisis in our lives, I'm sure. Or we know somebody who has had a crisis of their faith. And it's difficult, right? It's difficult. Usually these are brought on by individuals who are like, well, I go to church and I study the Bible and I give my 10% and I, I love everybody, but yet why, 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 why am I in heart failure? Why is my heart not working right? Or why did I just lose my spouse? Or why do I have this estranged relationship with family members? Why can I not make enough money to go on that trip? You know, I do what I'm supposed to. Am I not supposed to be just blessed beyond measures and not have any trials? But when you go through life, and if all that you do is get the green light every time you're going to work, or if you take a test in school that you didn't have to study for, but you made 100 on it, what do you learn? What do you, what do you, how do you grow? How do you get anything out of life? Well, you see, when you experience trials in your faith, and you have these crises of faith, you gain endurance. But what does endurance do? It says here, James tells us, it completes its work so that you may be complete and whole and lacking nothing. You know, you're fortunate if you go through one of those crises of faith if you're in a church community, because guess what? Guess who you have there to support you in that time? Your church family. That's why being a Christian is not a solo act. It's, it's being in a community of other believers so that you can love and support others, so you can go and do missions and do things as a large group, but also when you have trials you have a shoulder to lean on. You have someone there to sit with you in the ashes as you go through this because you're not alone. But what those individuals also represent for you as you go through that is that they represent the love and grace of Jesus. And they show you and remind you that God is here with you in your suffering as well. That God does not leave you abandoned in those moments. And so when you go through these trials, these crises of faith, whatever it may be, you're reminded of the presence of God through your church community, through the Holy Spirit, 
you are lacking in nothing. The endurance that you gain makes you whole and complete. It connects you to God. And that is where you find your joy. And that is where you find your joy. You know, some of the hardest things for me as a pastor is when people come into my office in in these moments. Because, you know, the thing that we want to do is that you want to say the right thing to fix it for them. You know, pastors are very much fixers. They want to fix things. They want to make everything all right. They want to make everybody happy, everybody loving Jesus. But when someone comes into your office and says, you know what? I don't know if I believe in God anymore. Why, why should I? Pastor, tell me why. Why is this important? Because it, it ain't working for me. My life's not any better. My life may be even worse because I'm being pushed and challenged. I'm going against culture and going against the grain. It's hard. It's not easy. And that's when you remind them, yes, life's not easy. Faith is not easy. It's hard. You have to work at it. It doesn't come sometimes just like getting all the green lights going to work would be. But in those challenges, in those crises, though, we're reminded that we're not alone. And that as we move through them, we gain endurance. And as that endurance provides us, it completes us. And it makes us whole. And you gain from it. You know, the book of Job is, is all about a man who, who was doing it right. But then experienced multiple bad things. And was questioning God amongst all of that. But he was never alone. He was never alone. God was there with him in those moments. And God reminded Job to say, hey, yes, you're going through a tough time. You have all these questions. But just guess what? I am God. You are not. Just hold on and trust me. And Job was taken care of at the end. Things were made complete and whole in his life at the end of the story. And that's there to remind us that what you are going through is a difficult thing. Whatever it is, we're not going to say it's not. If, it's, if you say it's difficult, it's difficult. But you're not alone. Hang in there. God is with you. And with this endurance, you're being reminded that you're being completed with him. That you're being made whole. And when you're through this, you are lacking in nothing. You know, and suffering also, when you go through these tough times, what it also reveals to you is also, who's hanging in there with you? You know, who's hanging in there with you? Because there is something to say about your church community and your friends. You know, and as we did that Friendsgiving and everybody says who they were thankful for, a lot of it was friends. And so I think it also reminds us that we need to pour into our relationships more. Because we're real good in this community about being busy. We're real good about having all these tasks and talking about how busy we are. Someone once said, when people talk about how busy they are, it just kind of reminds you of how bad they are at managing their time. We need to look at what we're doing. We need to look at where we're pouring our energies into. Is it something that we, that we would think would build others up? Is it pouring into relationships or just things and tasks? 
because we, at times, are going to need those relationships and individuals in our lives. And I think it's important when we go through trials, if we're not pouring into other folks, if we're not plugging into a faith community or whatever, where's your people? And so I think it's important for us, too, to look at who we're pouring into, are we pouring into, is there more we can do? Because that's the important stuff, y'all. It's loving your neighbor, loving those in your community, loving your God. And so, you know, when we go through these tough times, when we go through these trials and challenges, we learn from them. You know, as a school teacher, I'd have kids, when I used to teach school, for those of you who didn't know, um, before I became a pastor, you know, students would get real down and out when they would fail something. But I said, you know what? Yeah, you totally bombed this test. You're smarter than this 48 on the paper. And I've had some really low scores before. I've had a 20-something before. But I said, but let's, let's take this moment. This is a learning opportunity for you. This is a teachable moment because you are probably going to learn a lot more right now than if you just made 100 and didn't study for it. Why did you make that great? Why did you make that 20? Why did you make that 48? Why? And they would be often to tell me why. They decided to go out and do this and not study or... They didn't write down the notes when we did notes in class. They slept through them. Whatever. They would be able to pinpoint. And I said, okay, so what are you going to do next on the next test? Well, I'm going to actually take my notes and study. I'm actually going to, if I have a test the night before, not stay out late. And that will carry with them through everything and every test they would take. Because guess what? They don't want to make another 20 or 48 because you're not going to pass the class if you keep making those. And nobody wants to repeat a class that you just sat through for nine months Okay? I taught summer school one time, middle school summer school. I did it for, uh, I think, three years in a row. And in my second year, I had a student come back and say, Hey, Mr. Johnston, I'm back. Aren't you excited to see me? I said, No, this is summer school. This means not only did you have to take it once, you did it again and failed, and now you're back in it. No, I'm not excited to see you repeat summer school. That should be a one and done thing for many students. You need to learn. These trials, these challenges, the things that we face, we gain endurance. And we're able to then be stronger. We're able to support others when they go through their trials. Because we often can say, hey, guess what? While your exact situation I didn't do, but I had a situation very similar that challenged me so. And because people sat with me in the ashes, loved on me, and reminded me that God was present. And that God is there in my suffering. And that makes me complete. I now have joy. So as we go into this uh, next couple weeks. As we get closer to Thanksgiving. As we take time to remember family, friends, and what we're thankful for. Be thankful for the trials that you've gone through. Because it has made you the person you are today. It grows you strengthens you and it makes you someone who can support others as they go through their trials and you become that representation that God is with us no matter what so if your family does that tradition of saying what you're thankful for maybe you can say you know what as odd as this is I'm thankful for the trials because it shows me who God is and it shows me the love of God in people And I am thankful for that joy.
Let us pray.